You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. Today's scripture lesson is from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, and part of verse 11. When the Feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, a gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. Then, like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks, and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. There were many Jews staying in Jerusalem just then, devout pilgrims from all over the world. When they heard the sound, they came on the run. Then when they heard one after another, their own mother tongues being spoken, they were blown away. They couldn't for the life of them figure out what was going on and kept saying, aren't these all Galileans? How come we were hearing them talk all in our various mother tongues? They're speaking our languages, describing God's mighty words and works. The word of God for the people of God. For those of you wondering what happened between verse 8 and verse 11 that we didn't hear this morning, that was the names of all the different places and languages that people were from. The Parthians and the Medes and the Elamites and so on and so forth. And I know that... uh, Brent would have handled it with grace, and we all would have received that reading, but I invite you to look it up on your own time for those who are interested in hearing some of those details. And now I invite you to pray with me. Holy God, please send your Holy Spirit amongst us today. Please find acceptable the meditations of all of our hearts, as well as the words of my mouth. We invite your Holy Spirit to be at work in this congregation, in this community. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was a kid on Pentecost, I had a pastor who handed out little red birthday candles to every single person in worship because we were told Pentecost is the birthday of the church. I think we might even have sung happy birthday to the church on Pentecost Sunday. And then a couple of years ago, here at Clarkston UMC, we did a sermon series on these early chapters of Acts, and we called it Our Origin Story. The same way you talk, to, you talk about the origin story of a superhero, like how we came to be who we are today. And whether you describe it as a birthday party or an origin story, this moment in Scripture is a moment when the trajectory of world history changed forever both for good and sometimes occasionally for bad, this moment has affected everything else that came in the history of the world because suddenly these people went from people who followed Jesus and were in a holding pattern since his ascension up into heaven into people who were going out into every place in the whole world sharing the story of Jesus. People who were ready to tell what had happened and spread the good news and speak as it turns out, multiple languages. And there's a huge jump that happens here because most of the disciples and the apostles had met 
Jesus personally. They saw him die. They saw him resurrected. They saw the ascension. And now they're telling the story to people who did not have that personal experience. They're just taking the story on faith, like you and I do today, saying this is a story that's going to change now how I see the world and how I live. And the thing that bridges that gap between experience and faith, the thing that bridges that gap across languages, it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what changes everything in this moment in Acts, and it helps the disciples talk to people that they'd never met before, people who speak different languages, people who are from different contexts, people who have different life experiences. And the Holy Spirit sends these disciples out into the street equipped with the skills that they need to tell people about what God has done, what God is doing. And the story begins by telling us they were all together in one place. They were all together in one place. In chapter 1 of Acts, we're told there are about 120 disciples or apostles who are hanging around Jerusalem. And while scripture isn't detailed, especially in this scene, like are they all in the room? Or uh, how many of them, 120? What we're told is they were all together. So we could perhaps assume that it's 120 people in that room. And regardless of if it's 120 or if it's 12, sometimes we think of Revelation as this solo experience, a mountaintop, me and Jesus by ourselves. And it can look that way. But the narrative of Acts, particularly this moment in Acts, is that sometimes the Holy Spirit is best revealed to us when we are together, when we're gathered in a community. We most often hear God's message most clearly and are able to accomplish the most good and are able to find encouragement and challenge and conviction when we're together, when we're with other people of faith. Now, in just a few days, United Methodists from across Michigan will gather up near Traverse City in what we like to call our annual conference. And clergy attend, of course. We have about 700 active clergy in Michigan, um, and the number rises to about 1,000 when you include all of our retirees who are invited to join us and glad to have them. People like Reverend Brent will, uh, will be there. And then laity attend as well, meaning anyone in the church who isn't clergy, like most of the church members, most of the people in this room, you all are laity. And so there will be a representative from every church or charge in the area of Michigan who are United Methodists. It doesn't matter how tiny that church is, if they're considered a charge, if they have a clergy person, they send one layperson to represent them at annual conference. And then the bigger churches, like this one, send more than one person. We get to send something like 10 people to represent this congregation and uh, this community of faith. And when we're at conference, one of the most important things we do, I believe, is we worship. We sing together, we pray together, we share in communion together, and at the very beginning of every conference, every single year, we sing a hymn written by Charles Wesley, and it's called And are we yet alive? And I'm going to take a stab at it here. And are we yet alive? And see each other's face. Glory and praise to Jesus give. For God's redeeming grace. Not quite on all the notes, but the spirit was there. Wow. That is probably the only applause I'll get for singing in my life, so thank you for that. 
For those who have attended conference for many years, this can be an emotional moment when we sing this song because each person gathered in that space is doing ministry in a different part of the state. And some of us will come from Clarkston, where we've been focused on Clarkston-based ministry. And other people will be coming from Livonia, or the Keweenaw Peninsula, or up in the Traverse City area, or over by Kalamazoo. And the people in that room represent hundreds of churches. And they represent thousands of unique ministries, food pantries, Bible studies, campus ministries. And these ministries touch tens of thousands of lives and we're all singing together the praise of God. And it's an emotional thing. We're a connectional church. We continue to gather because we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to connect us though we are divided by space. We send one or two from each faith community, 10 in the case of Clarkston, so that we might be as United Methodists in Michigan all together, in one place, celebrating what God is doing through us, in our midst. For every, for United Methodists, every congregation is connected. That's different than some other church traditions. And some of the connection is logistical. Like we have a bishop who oversees the Michigan area. The bishop is the one who appointed Pastor Amy to serve you all as your senior pastor so we can celebrate that and say, well done, bishop. The United Methodist system is also what leads to our ordination. And so some of you might have been there at the conference where I was ordained or where Reverend Christie was ordained. Some of you probably will show up when Reverend Michelle gets ordained soon. And some of this connection is missional. We are a mission-based church, and so we share things like the United Methodist Committee on Relief, or UMCOR, that offers disaster relief around the globe. We share things like missionaries. We share things like feeding ministries. We work together to help people. That's a huge part of who we are as United Methodists. We care for each other around the world, not just here in Michigan, but in places like Haiti, in places like Liberia, impoverished places where we can make a difference. Our connection as United Methodists is also theological. We believe in the power of God's grace. We do things like baptize babies and celebrate the ordination of women and we're committed to learning and growing and asking tough questions and being okay with a little bit of doubt or uncertainty or mystery in our faith. Even though we may not think alike, we can love alike. That's a core value of United Methodists. And this year at annual conference, one of our tasks will be to vote on churches that are choosing to disaffiliate from our denomination. There are 60 churches that we will be voting on, 60 churches that have chosen to leave the United Methodist Church and either join a new denomination called the Global Methodist Church or, for some of them, remain independent, standalone congregations. Um, There's not so many of them, but there's a few. And mostly these churches are leaving because they want to continue punitive practices against people who are LGBTQIA. And they no longer find the value in our shared connection compelling enough for them to stay. And each church has a different story and a different reason and a different context, but with broad brush strokes, that's what's happening. And if you ask anybody in leadership in our denomination, they will tell you a similar kind of narrative. I've heard this moment in the life of our denomination described as similar to the moment in Acts, chapter 15, when Paul 
and Barnabas split ways. Paul, of course, early church planter. Barnabas was like his loyal sidekick or partner in crime. They preached together. They teach together. They performed miracles together. They were uh, extremely close friends, like brothers. And they came to a point where they could not resolve their differences. And in fact, they had been arguing for quite a long time about what the next right thing was to do. And so there's a point in Acts where it tells us they split ways. And Barnabas went this way, and Paul went this way, and they were both able to do their ministry in the way they felt was best. And each year, as we have sung, and are we yet alive at annual conference, and this debate and this argument has festered, that third verse of this hymn has become more and more poignant. I won't sing it this time, but the verse goes, what troubles have we seen? What conflicts have we passed? Fightings without and fears within, since we assembled last. In theory, I suppose the conference could vote to not support the disaffiliations of these congregations. Um, in practice, it's more of a perfunctory vote. It's more of a corporate acknowledgement and grieving and um, accepting what has already been set in motion. Out of 60 churches that will be disaffiliating, 23 of them are in our local region. We call it the East Winds District. It's kind of the thumb of Michigan, stretching as far south as Clarkston, as far west as Flint. So 23 out of these 60 churches across the whole state of Michigan are geographically near the Clarkston Church. So you may have heard more hubbub about disaffiliations than other Methodists across the state simply because some of our neighbor churches are choosing to leave. But just for reference and to set the context here, across the state of Michigan, there are 721 United Methodist churches. 721. 60 are voting to leave. That is an 8% rate of disaffiliation. I want you to have the numbers so you know what we're talking about, so you understand the context. And there's a lot of grief in this process. There is a lot of angst. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of loss for the people who are choosing to leave, for the people who are remaining behind, for the people who feel like they've been fighting for years, for the clergy who are watching as the church struggles. This is not easy. And we all have feelings and emotions about it. But I'm happy to tell you that here at Clarkston United Methodist Church, through conversations of the leadership team and listening sessions and table talks, we've already discerned that we know who we are. We are United Methodist through and through. And we're going to stay Clarkston United Methodist Church. And you all know what our mission is? To connect people to people and people to God. And that's what we've been doing and that's what we're going to continue to do. And there's no fancy right turns or left turns or 180s that are going to happen. You all know who this church is. You all know where we're headed. We know where God is calling us to be. So we don't have to worry as we head into this annual conference. We don't have to worry as we see the denomination in the news. We know who we are. We know our core values. We are committed to Christ and growing in faith, transformational mission, life-changing generosity, inclusion for all. They're printed on a banner out there. They're not going to change anytime soon. We know who we are as a church. And that doesn't mean that every single person in the pews is going to live out those values in exactly the same way. We're not going to all show up and be swinging a hammer in line step, in lockstep at, uh, at our Love in Action Week. We all don't have to attend exactly the same Bible study and have exactly the same viewpoints. 
We're not even going to agree all the time. And yet these values and this mission statement point to the kind of community that we trust God is calling us to be. These things point to who we know God wants us to be when we're together. We even have an inclusion statement hanging by our doorways. And although the language doesn't say exactly this, what we trust here in this faith community is that it doesn't matter if you're younger or if you're older. It doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat or Libertarian or Green Party. It doesn't matter if you're a hunter or you're a vegan. It doesn't matter if you're straight or you're queer or you're still figuring things out. You're welcome here. We're following Jesus together here. We're people who are on a journey together. We're here to grow in faith to worship God, to ask the tough questions, to be comfortable with doubt, to figure out our faith together. Do you remember what happens in Acts after all the people receive the Holy Spirit? Well, first Peter gives a speech, because Peter is often giving speeches. But then they start baptizing people. Thousands of people come to faith. People start sharing food with one another. They sell their belongings and start using the money to meet other people's needs. Everybody had enough. They pray together. They make sure everybody has what they need. Peter and John heal a man who's been crippled since birth, so there's healing and wholeness that's happening as well. They work together. And the birthday of our church, our origin story, the nature of Pentecost, is a collective, community-based experience. It's not a solo, individualistic kind of faith. Our faith was never meant to be lived out by ourselves We're relational creatures. We're meant to seek other followers. We're meant to come together. And as I think about annual conference, as I think about the weekend ahead, you know, our denomination, the larger Methodist church, may look a little bit different in the years ahead. You may see it in the news. Various congregations are going to make their choices about what they believe, what's important to them. But those of us who remain United Methodist, we're going to continue to journey together. We're going to continue to work together, continue to worship God together. And at Clarkston United Methodist Church, like United Methodist churches across the globe, we are going to continue to find creative ways to share the good news. We're going to continue to find creative ways to serve our community. Here, it looks like opening up our building for finals week studying and giving everybody free coffee and snacks because we think that's the right thing to do. And it might look like allowing people to practice theater or big band in our building. Or it might look like hosting scouts or real talks or any of the other wonderful things that we're able to use this facility for. We're going to continue to listen for the call of the Holy Spirit together as a community. It's not just about what God is calling me to do, although each one of us needs to listen for God's call in our individual lives. But it's also, what is God calling us to do? What is God calling this church to do? What is God calling this unique community of faith to do? And what might be possible when we all come together? How's God calling you to join the community this summer? Maybe God's asking you to sign up for Love in Action Week. You haven't quite registered yet. You've never done it before. You're not sure. Maybe God's calling you to do that. Maybe God's calling you to join together with this faith community through Vacation Bible School. Maybe it's as simple as donating some snacks or saying to Reverend Christie, hey, I'd like to contribute something, what can I do? Maybe it's 
even simpler. In August, when we have the car show, invite a friend, invite a neighbor. That's a really easy way to join together in this faith community. Maybe you join a life group. I, I've heard there's a biking life group starting on Tuesday, so look in the e-news if you're interested in that. I pray that this summer we might, each one of us, intentionally look for ways to connect to come together. What's our mission here? Connect people to people and people to God. May we look for those connections this summer. May we seek out ways to be connected to with one another and in our faith. And may we trust that along the way we are going to encounter the Holy Spirit, not just individually, but as a faith community. May it be so. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.